Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. So we are recording this episode on Monday, March 23rd. And the reason that we are giving dates here is because the situation right now week to week is evolving. And so we think it's kind of important for you to know what the time was that we recorded the episodes. And what we're doing and what we did last week is we are sort of parking our previously recorded episodes so that we can bring you more timely content as the world and work and home life and everything else has changed for most of us in these past few weeks. And we started to talk about that last week by kind of giving an overview of what we're going through, what some of our clients are going through, the challenges that we're seeing, the opportunities that some of our clients are seeing. And we want to continue that conversation today by diving deeper into one of the things that we brought up, and that is this sort of challenge around snow day mentality. You know, the world is on pause for some of us. We're hunkered down at home, and it is very easy to sort of get trapped in this holding pattern. It's a snow day. I don't have to do anything today. So what now? What do I do? And along with that language, it's the, I'm going to wait this out. So we're in this holding pattern. And um, I think the theme of this podcast is around sort of when the demand on your bandwidth drops in a certain way. And this is a very unique situation because for many of us, the demand on our bandwidth is likely increasing too. And we're going to address that with heightened emotions or anxiety, and, and we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But today, it's looking at this situation that I think is extremely unique. I'm thinking about three clients that were relaying this story, their own experience of how the demand on their bandwidth has diminished. And I think that you know, the rate of work, the rate of production, has dropped. Now, if you're a director of an infectious disease center, likely not. If you're on the front line of this thing, absolutely not. And so hats off to you people who are doing that amazing work. Thank you very much. For many of us, though, that have been um, social distancing and, and in some form of uh, isolation, that our Workday has changed fairly radically. And for most of us, or many of us, that that level of work has dropped. So, back to this idea of snow day and kind of waiting for things to pick up again. And I want to, I want to use some colorful language here in, in three or two of my clients and then a colleague. And so, there was the first one who did mention snow day, kind of like, Oh, you know, my friends are not going to work. And yet he's a composer who works from home and he has plenty of work to do. Still has plenty of work to do, has uh, long-term deadlines, but was noticing that he wasn't feeling compelled to actually do work because of just this sort of general mentality of, and you said you were talking about last week about your student client who 
goes to school and there's that social aspect, the body double. Well, this is a phenomenon of just like talking to people, your friends, your family members, colleagues who are just practicing work in everything that that entails. And when that's gone, that modeling is gone. You don't have that reference point anymore. And so this snow day phenomenon kind of kicks in. Now, it also helps that he lives in the upper Midwest and there's snow on the ground to reinforce that picture. Um, I'm in uh, St. Louis and it snowed here yesterday and I hate winter and I hate snow. (laughs) And I woke up at like 7 a.m. and looked out the window and it's man, was it coming down. And I thought I was dreaming. And my husband said that I uttered a few choice four-letter words and rolled over and went back to sleep. <laughs> so I've got a video that I sent to somebody in the upper Midwest, and it's a, it's a picture of blooming forsythia and blue jays whistling. So I will send that to you. Okay. Okay. I appreciate that. that, Cam. Send some spring yeah. my way. Yeah. So there's the first client is this sort of snow day, and I'll, I'm going to wait this out. Where, again, wait this out as the manifestation, down low, but go up above the lunch counter. And the causation is that glitchy activator, being able to activate for task. And there's a, oh, well, it's, I don't need to do it right now. And so it, it induces uh, a, a more of a sense of procrastination. Absolutely. There's an absence of urgency right. for many of I us think, right now. Yeah. And I think that's the interesting and can, can be an, an opportunity, right? Is with this less of a demand on our bandwidth for all the urgent things that are expected of us, the meetings, the conversations, the tasks, less decisions that we need to make, that urgency has gone away in some respect. There's other urgent things like finding hand sanitizer finding toilet paper. That's an urgent thing. But that is, that's not what we're talking about here. Another client referred to it. So he was uh, in, in some kind of manufacturing and he referred to it as the shivs and belts have ceased to move. And I'm like, what? He's like the shivs and the belts. I'm like, what's a shiv? And he's like, oh, a shiv is like a pulley in manufacturing. And so all the pulleys and belts of this, the cadence of the machinery of work. Last week, we talked about the routine of going in and, and just the other people at work. But then there's the meetings. But just the, hey, can you get this to me? Sure. And all of that has dropped in some fashion. And so that demand on our bandwidth has dropped too. What's fascinating is when we think about our Eisenhower matrix with our Q2, and that typically is the big struggle for people with ADHD, is getting into the important, not urgent, because we have so much stuff that's important and urgent. And so many people with ADHD, many of my clients are masters at that balancing point of being really effective with Q1s, important and urgent. And then they can't get into the Q2 stuff. They get distracted by the Q3, which is urgent and not important. It's that quick response, quick request for an email response to somebody. 
Well, that whole column has diminished in some fashion around our usual work habits expectations. Okay. I just, I cannot say enough. There are other urgencies that are out there, people. There are emotions and feelings that we all have and that we want to acknowledge where you are with that. But I'm just seeing this in my clients of this, oh, kind of the machinery has paused. And here I am without that as a support. We use that as a support system to kind of keep things going. And you can look at that as a challenge, and it is, but you can also look at it as an actual opportunity. Like, when will this happen again? Where you've got this, what is urgent in your life has diminished. And yet, here are these Q2 things that are still there. I'm not going to say that this is, this is just an ADHD challenge or opportunity. My wife, who is very neurotypical, and she has she is a um, a part-time nurse practitioner working with children with cystic fibrosis so she has a clinic and she works on her clinic she has her clinic 2 days a week and that about fills out her hours with extremely complicated cases and so the notes are extremely complicated and she spends much of her time and she tells her boss you know, there are these projects I really just can't get to because what's most important is serving my patients. Well, guess what? That's all gone away with, with the exception of the most pressing patient visits. So her clinic has whittled down to a couple patients per week. And she just said this morning, oh, you know, I keep telling my director that I can't get to these projects. And guess what? There's an opportunity to get to these projects now that are Q2. So this is not uh, an ADHD dilemma. The dilemma part for, for people with ADHD is, okay, well, my wife, who's neurotypical, can go in and do that stuff where, for us, we still have the ADHD at play. It's that how do we get traction on these things that are not urgent? And this comes back to what we've been talking about in the past around motivation. How do we create motivation without urgency? See that listener as an opportunity in addition to a challenge. Is there an opportunity here to identify a Q2 item and to work on it, to chip away at it, to get some completion on it in this period of time? Yeah, so... After we recorded last week, I hadn't yet spoken to many of my clients for the week. And now that I have, I have to say, a lot of my clients are looking for the opportunities. And I found that fascinating and encouraging. So my student who I brought up last week, I hadn't yet met with her. This was our first meeting, sort of post the world changing. And she came certainly with the challenges of I've lost the social support of campus and I've lost the powerful motivator that that environment brings. But along with that, she was looking at the opportunity of since my work is closed 
And since I am fortunate that my employer is paying part of my salary while they are closed, here's an opportunity to treat school like my full-time job. And she's in some really challenging courses. So it couldn't be a more opportune time. And in fact, she was joking. One of the things on our sort of agenda for the future was, can she develop good enough support structures, routines, habits that online classes would be a possibility in the fall semester? Oh, cool. Yeah. So she's even seeing the opportunity. Well, you know, I'm being thrown into the fire so I can resist and be upset and push back, or I can seize this opportunity as a trial by fire. I have to get good at taking online classes because I am now taking online classes. So I just really found it fascinating. I expected a lot more powerful motion and anxiety and that type of thing out of my clients last week. I feel like most of them were coming to coaching looking for the opportunities for themselves and the opportunities to continue using the coaching sessions in a supportive way. Because for a lot of my clients, our focus in coaching has necessarily shifted because what is urgent, as you said, has dwindled. What their days look like has changed. But they're still looking for what can I be doing? What positive outcomes can I link to here? There's a third conversation I was having that I'll add to the mix here. And that is of a colleague of mine who has ADHD. And she was saying, I'm noticing that my pace is rushed and it need not be. I don't know if the word was frenetic, but it's sort of this recognition of I'm working at a pace and the world around me is, is no longer at that same speed. And what I was appreciating about that was the level of awareness. We talk about our own process of understand, own, and translate. And this was her understanding of, oh, you know, I don't want to get bored and go to neutral and just be uh, in a state of inertia and a resting state. But do I have to be going at this high pace? Because the world's not matching that now. I can adjust. And I think the challenge with ADHD is finding that volume control and finding a way to, to, to dial back a bit and work at a little bit of a different cadence and to tap a little bit of a different motivation here other than urgency. Because we are masters at conjuring and creating urgency when there is some and when there isn't, we will find ways to create an artificial timeline to get things done. And so in this situation, that's going away. So then you have to ask yourself, what is the opportunity here? What's the experiment or exploration that you can go into client in order to play around in this Q2 playground, which is, it, it hasn't had this accessibility. This is the thing that I'm kind of excited about here as the coach is that, uh, you know, again, like last week, we wouldn't wish this situation on anyone, but here we are in this situation. What's the opportunity in this situation? 
and that urgency has gone away. The demand on your bandwidth has diminished. And so never again will this reality be here in the sense of where things shut down. And in a way, we're in this kind of controlled experiment of less demand on our bandwidth. This is when we go into uh, areas like creativity, curiosity, inspiration, our six areas. When we think about those six areas that contribute to whether you're going to be successful with a task or not, is it interesting? Is it fun? Is it relevant? Because that urgent column has diminished. So be thinking about, okay, what's something that really matters to me to look into yourself and something on your list where you have time now or you have more time because creativity doesn't happen without time. I have a friend who's seen an opportunity to write that book. It's always there. It's been there. But since the demands are dropping in other areas, here this book is kind of creeping. It's coming back from the back burner to the front burner. And so then what is the practice there? What's the practice of sitting down and engaging with that project that matters to you? And it doesn't necessarily have to be a book or a big project. Oh. I have a client who sees the opportunity as developing routine. He was already recently unemployed before this started. And I mentioned him last week, and it's very possible that this is going to have an effect on the job market, and he's going to be unemployed for longer than he would have otherwise. But for him, the opportunity is getting really solid on my routines and structures and self-care at home so that when work is reintroduced into the picture, I am ready to face that head on and I am showing up as my best self. I have the same situation where someone has, they're a coach in a professional league and that professional league has ceased operation or at least uh, the, the games. So he's got a lot more time at home. He's got a lot more time to do what his charge is, which is to develop individual talent. And he can develop that in the sense of uh, working with small groups in that social distancing format or working remotely and turning his attention to his graduate work, this leadership program that Again, it's the it's the third thing or fourth thing on his list, and it's tough to get to. And so he's putting those things first. And as you said, bringing elements of routine and normalcy at home. The kids are home. So how can I nurture and develop the home unit during this time? So at one point, we had promised to come back to talking about other elixirs when we talked about urgency as a powerful elixir for those of us with ADHD. And here we are in a place where for many of us, the urgency elixir has gone away completely. And the biggest opportunities lie in Q2, which by nature is never urgent. 
So how do we activate on those things? Well, I've had some interesting conversations with my clients around this stuff. The client that is looking for better routine, we started with bedtime. And we started with, most importantly, a good enough bedtime for a person who doesn't have to get up at six o'clock in the morning. What is, what is a good enough wake up time where you don't feel like you have lost your day? Just to piggyback on what you were saying last week around like our routines cannot be the same. The reality of the situation means that what was normal is no longer normal. And yet, uh, when we talked about start with clean, there's elements that we can put into play or keep in play that were really keystones, the keystone habits to launch the day. And so I'm going to use this little saying around like just for the listener to consider here to make it specific, make it small and make it social. And, and the distinction here around, I want to make a distinction between small and specific. Okay. So I think Q2, you know, on my website for my blog of Q2s, I have this giant mountain, you know, and Covey talks about big rocks. And I think that with our high associative style of thinking, we can think big. There's the book. There's the, you know, the big edition. But it can be small. It can be small in, this, in the sense of scope. I've got a deck. Oh, my God, Shelly, I've got a deck that is just the bane of my existence. And every time I walk out on it, it's a reminder of this incomplete. And my wife looks at me and is like, you know, hey, <laughs> you want to you finish that thing? And I was like, I don't want to, you know, like, Arr. and yet I did. I finished the damn deck. And it was like four hours of work, but it was four hours of kind of uninterrupted work. I could just focus on this. And there was not running kids to practices not engaging in some meeting. And so it can be very small, specific in the sense of measurable. Back to like, again, with your routine of launching in the morning, it's really specific. When you're talking about your client in the sense of good enough, what is good enough? Uh, getting specific around that, you know, what time to go to bed at night? Because, oh my God, is this a great time to to stay up late watching Netflix because I got nothing in the morning. I got nothing going on. And like, you know, Netflix is, it's doing great, right? Zoom doing great. <laughs> like, it's like, just fill my day with that stuff. Yeah. But or for that particular client, it's Twitch. So I kind of want to come back to that client and talk about specific because we did a couple of things to get specific. Number one, we got specific about what was important about going to bed. Well, there is a certain time of morning where if he sleeps past that time, and I believe it was 9 a.m., he feels like he's lost the day. It becomes harder to activate. The second specific piece was figuring out how to transition away from the computer because that was the hardest part for him. For him, gaming is a social activity. He does stream on Twitch a bit with friends. So the mechanism we came up with was an LED light that he already has 
He mounted it on top of his monitor. It's a light bar and set it to go off five minutes before it was time for him to get up and go away. And that light shining on him is something that everyone in his Twitch chat can see. So there's your social element. And it wasn't so much about in bed by a specific time, but responding to that light and disengaging from the computer. And if that alone, and I haven't talked to him since, so I don't know, but if that alone isn't getting us to enough sleep and up and ready by 9 a.m., we'll talk about the next piece next time. But the starting place was I have to be able to disengage from the computer because that is the hardest transition in my whole day. And that is the thing that keeps me from being able to get enough sleep regularly. I think that's a great topic. As this goes along and, and we all have access to our devices, right? Of managing devices, you know, in this time. Because I think that that's a huge distraction. I think that's a, a, a topic going forward. I love that social aspect there, right? Of others seeing that. And not that it's a, a negative thing. It's just this, we tend to fulfill our commitments when that commitment is shared with someone else. Absolutely. Right? My student clients, when I was talking to her last week around the same thing, how do we sort of replace this social support? She first said, well, I kind of want to pretend like you're my boss. I'm like, hmm, mm. that, that, I, don't, I don't know if that works. And so she thought about it a little bit more and she said, no, I want you to be my cubicle buddy. You know, the person that I'm going to stand up and peek over the wall and say, what are you doing today? Here's what I'm doing today. You know, I'm like, yeah, that that dynamic works better. So her routine since we spoke has been to use Slack. I use Slack, which is a chat program with all of my clients to shoot me a message in the morning to let me know what she's going to work on today. The same way you would a coworker. Not in that obligatory, I want you to beat me into submission and make me do this. But in that, hey, you know, here's what I'm up to. What are you up to? And that has been a great source of support for her. Just that sharing that commitment with someone else. And I want you to notice the difference there between that dynamic and the, and the dynamic of having someone else make me do it, which does not work. So it's not that she wants me to hold her feet to the fire or hold her accountable because we know that that doesn't work. We have clients who come to us as new clients, hoping that's what we can do. I love that term cubicle buddy. And I think yeah, I did too. I thought that I, I loved it when she said it. I thought it was great. Yeah. And so listeners finding, locating uh, a friend or colleague to share your intentions with to develop that support, that social aspect of sharing what you're doing. And I will also say is to practice grace and forgiveness with yourself because you're not just going to find this new fuel in one day, in one sitting. We go back to that, the session, the episode we talked about with the adrenaline response cycle and what Shelly was saying earlier about the elixir. We're wired for that. We're wired for being responsive. And so that whole structure 
or construct of responsiveness has diminished in our world. And so we're looking at cultivating different motivators. So be gracious with yourself, with the challenge of starting and engaging in this Q2 area and to acknowledge the small completions, not to, not so much about that you celebrate every little thing to feel better. It actually releases serotonin in your brain, this sense of accomplishment, sense of completion. What we do in that frenetic state, when, when again, it's the, at that higher rate, is we don't pause to acknowledge completion. So that when you do finish that deck or write three pages of your book or practice that routine of going to sleep with that specific uh, measurement of progress, to acknowledge that, to recognize that something's happening there, and to also look at the challenge and what can you learn from that challenge. This is what we do in coaching. This is the form of accountability that we offer is to look into the learning, to reflect on the experience, and then to apply it going forward. Which, by the way, that's where that glitchy Rubik's Cube at the top of Mount Rainier is a challenge for us, is to look back and apply it forward. Just that mechanism. But when you start to practice it, share it, experiment, there's a real opportunity here. So before we wrap up for today, I'm going to do something I almost never do. And that is to share a tool that has been helpful for some of my clients. If you are a person who does respond well to that body doubling, having someone else working, even if they're working on something completely different to hold the space for you, there is an app called Focusmate. The website is focusmate.com and it is virtual co-working. So you can set up sessions for the days and times that you want and you will have a virtual buddy, a stranger show up. You're both required to have webcams so you can see each other and hold the space for each other. You Briefly state what you're going to work on at the start of the session. You both mute yourselves and then you go about your work. Love it. Yeah. So that has been a tool that some of my clients even prior to this have found very useful. But the ones that have already been using it and some others that lost other social supports are finding it to be really helpful. So if you don't have access to a buddy or a friend or a family member or a coworker, that you can use for this purpose. Or if you're like a couple of my clients and you almost respond better to the pressure of a stranger than you do to a friend, this could be something to give a try. So again, I never, ever suggest tools because you know me, Cam, habits over tools, habits over tools, habits over tools. That's my mantra. But in this particular case, I think it is a valuable resource for those people who are missing that body doubling and that form of accountability. So we're going to continue these sort of timely topics as long as we can, as often as we can, until things start to get back to normal. 
Our intention is to keep recording and releasing weekly episodes and to be here for you as a resource to capitalize on the opportunities before us in these challenging times. And if for any reason that changes, we will certainly communicate with you. If you like what we're doing here on the podcast, you can help us out by leaving a rating or review wherever you listen. If you have feedback to share or have a topic based on what's going on in the world right now or in general that you'd like us to cover, hit us up on the website at translatingadhd.com or on Twitter at translatingadhd. And until next week, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening. Thank you.